0: Hello everyone, I hope you are well, I'm Carlos carnicero Urabayen and I want to welcome you all to Future is Blue, a series of podcasts bringing together top experts from academia and think tanks to discuss the most pressing European economic and policy challenges of today. This is a Funcas Europe initiative and we hope we can bring new ideas for a more inspiring debate about Europe. Today we're here to cover taxes and we're seeing momentum as the G7 is proposing a global minimum tax. And honestly, this is not a new idea, but what we're seeing these days is that this is an idea that may actually happen. And this is exciting for a number of reasons. So I'm joined by two great experts. So let me introduce you to Sack Mayers, Research Fellow at the Center for European Reform. Hello, Sack. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. It's great to be here. Thank you for joining. And Raymond Torres, Funkas Europe Director. Hello, Raymond. Hello. Welcome. So, Sack, for for decades, global corporate taxes have been um, racing to the bottom. And now things seem to be changing as we're entering a post-pandemic world, there is momentum for a so-called global tax rate, minimum global tax rate. And the G7 uh, meeting for the first time in person for over two years is now proposing a tax system that would force the biggest companies to pay taxes where they generate business rather than the place where they are based. And this sounds to me like something revolutionary. And I wonder what has changed so that we can see a proposal like this on top of the table?
1: Yeah, I, I, well, I think you're right that it's revolutionary. So there's been discussions at the OECD for a number of years now to try to change the, um, the basis of taxation rights so that countries where um, companies uh, have their customers and where they make sales also have a right to charge um, corporations tax. Um, and at the same time, as you say, there's been a effort to try to get a global minimum tax rate. I think what has really changed is the US attitude towards all of this. So um, under Trump, the discussions were going nowhere because um, Trump wanted the tax reallocation to be optional for, for US companies um, so that they could use it as a safe harbor if they wanted to get tax certainty, but they wouldn't be required to participate. And so that was kind of a, uh, you know, that made it impossible for other countries to, to agree. And so Biden has very quickly changed um, his attitude towards these talks that's related to the fact that the US wants to increase their um, their domestic corporations tax. And so agreeing a global minimum tax rate would actually help protect the US from becoming less competitive um, as tax rates increase domestically. So you know, that's really changed the nature of the talks and made them much more serious. And on the tax reallocation proposal, the U.S. has come up with a much simpler way of doing things, which has a better chance of, of getting widespread agreement.
0: So um, on top of seeing a new administration in the U.S., with, which has had an impact on, on, on the fact that this proposal may actually turn into a reality, Raymond, do you see other, other factors that, that fall in? explain what's happening?
2: Yes, I think that, uh, first of all, I I very much agree with Zach that this is a major step forward. In your own comments uh, in the introduction, Carlos, I mean, this is certainly the case because we're losing billions of dollars of revenues throughout the world, especially in developing countries, I would say. So I mean, this is a step in the right direction. There are, however, two uh, different approaches to the minimum tax, and I think countries uh, position themselves differently vis-à-vis those two. The first approach is to ensure a minimum tax rate in all countries of uh, around 15%, uh, so that, uh, you know, in, in the end, corporations would not be tempted to locate where they pay less taxes, in a way. It is the preferred approach for the United States, because they they see this race to the bottom, and they see this as something which has damaged their, their economy, the the extent to which enterprises locate in low tax uh, places, such as, for example, in even within Europe, we have big differences in tax rates, in corporate tax rates. In some uh, places like Ireland or, or Hungary, for example, the tax, the corporate tax rate is well below 15 percent. In others like, uh, Spain or Germany, is well above 15 uh, percent. So this is one approach, which is the preferred approach by the United States. But there's a second approach, which is that. Uh, an uh, 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 enterprise should pay taxes where they make business, and uh, here there has been some actually some discussions in the OECD to try to harmonise that and avoid this kind of um, uh, loophole in the in the international tax system. Uh, and this is in a way the the kind of thing which is more important, at least in the short term, for a number of European countries, where already the minimum tax rate is above 15%. Or so for those countries like Italy, France, or or uh, Germany, which participate in G7 discussions, this is much more important. Whereas in the case of the US, because they have these digital uh, uh, big businesses, they they, they, they they are less keen to, to go that way. So in the end, we're talking about the compromise between two approaches to a minimum tax.
0: So, Zach, do you see, do you see this bargaining that, that Raymond just described of having countries in very different situations but being able to agree on a common rule or on a common set of rules precisely because they can all, they can all win, or this is, this is naive and, and, and obviously there are going to be some losers and some winners out of this regime? Look, there will
1: obviously be winners and losers out of the regime, but I think because these two approaches are happening in parallel and it's generally agreed that they both have to be agreed as part of one package, um, that can, will change the distribution of winners and losers and make it more likely to get agreement. So, as Raymond said, um, the reallocation of taxing rights really disadvantages the US because they don't want, you know, they have the world's highest proportion of multinationals and especially the big tech giants, which are the ones that European countries want to be able to tax. And so the US would not agree to a reallocation of taxing rights um, in isolation. Um, but they will if they can uh, get a minimum tax agreed because um, that benefits them by reducing the amount by which they've become uncompetitive by increasing their domestic rates. Um, So uh, there'll be some losers who do poorly out of both proposals, and they're mostly tax havens. Um, Islands and countries like that to some extent, but, uh, but by far the biggest losers will be those countries like the Cayman Islands or Bermuda, that really have no substantial investment in the country. Um, that makes their situation a bit different to Ireland, for example, where you know countries have headquarters and lots of employees and so forth.
0: So, in 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 what about what about in the EU, Raymond? Because as as we know, uh, taxing is a national competence, and the situation is quite different in in, in each country, and especially those those member states that have very low uh, taxation regimes, like Ireland, Luxembourg. Do you think? It's it's do you do you do you foresee an agreement around this system, knowing that this is a very sensitive national issue for some member states.
2: It is a very sensitive uh, national issue, and rightly so, because after all, uh, the, the you know uh, taxation uh, for 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 centuries has been the main one of the main attributes of states on the nation states, and so uh, it is it is certainly uh, a, a very important argument that some countries will put forward, but at the same time we live in interdependent economies. So uh, it's, it's important to take into account the impacts that national approaches can do to others, to, to other nations. And so I think uh, there is, it will take time, in my, in my opinion, it will take time, but I think there is, there is a possibility to, to discuss. And this, there is, what, what is different now is that to the extent that the U.S., as Zach explained in the beginning, is on, on board and really intends to change the matter, it, it has a very strong leverage because the U.S. has been using in other fields uh, the extraterritoriality approach. In other words, the possibility for the United States to uh, kind of um, sanction countries or businesses which do not, complain, do not, do not co- comply with U.S. law, in particular issues like corruption, like bank accounts and so on, and uh, those enterprises or, or countries actually could be liable to uh, sanctions uh, by uh, U.S. law. And this ext- extraterritoriality, in a way, is a threat. It's a very important threat of weapon of last resort, if you wish, which can be used by the U.S. or, for that matter, Europe as well, in order to ensure that all countries you know, uh, participate in, in this uh, international agreement. But, of course, you know, all, all parties will have to make concessions.
0: Let me move on a bit because uh, on top of social justice and which I think it's extremely important these days as citizens are used to making big sacrifices themselves and they, they expect big corporations to, to pay their fair amount of taxes. What is the relevancy of a new tax system as the one that is being discussed for state's revenues? Because there is quite a shopping list that needs to be paid now after the pandemic. And I wonder what's the relevancy for the state's capacity to to, uh, to 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 get more to get more income out of this tax system? Zach, any, any thoughts? Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Look, I wouldn't be too optimistic that this is going to be revolutionary in terms of the amounts at stake. So, with a minimum um, corporate tax rate, the U.S. is going to be advantaged far above any other countries, um, including most in Europe. I think that. Uh, the EU tax observatory estimates were that the US would earn an an additional 40 billion per year um, in Euros, and the the, the EU countries that would benefit the most would earn in kind of low single figures, and most of them would earn nothing. So it's far more revolutionary in terms of the concept than the amounts at stake for, for Europe. The amounts at stake for the tax reallocation exercise are even lower. So the UK, for example, was planning to earn a few hundred, thousand, uh, a few hundred million um, euros per year from its digital services taxes, and the tax reallocation exercise will probably end up being the same amount. So if you think about the billions that are going to need to be spent on COVID recovery, you know, th- this isn't by itself going to um, address all of the revenue needs that states will have.
0: So, do you agree with that, Raymond? Any thoughts on the, the, the impacts on states' revenues?
2: Yes, I agree that the, this is not going to be up to the standards or the needs of um, closing the fiscal gaps that uh, are emerging and will continue to emerge as a result of the pandemic. And so, uh, I, I very much agree. Although, of course, the minimum tax, of if, if, if uh, the threshold of 15% is chosen now, um, one could argue that in the future that threshold could be increased so the idea, the, the most important thing is to get an agreement around uh, some threshold on the understanding that in the future uh, other negotiations may raise that threshold and, and therefore uh, boost revenues. That said, I agree that this is not going to be enough and so we have to think of other approaches to closing the, closing the fiscal gaps and uh, f- first of all, I mean, I think it's going to be very difficult to um, uh, re- return to the uh, public debt situation that was prevailing before the pandemic. Um, one way would be actually uh, um, a-, a tax which is not necessarily felt very um, explicitly by people, which is the inflation tax. So if inflation was going up uh, by uh, a couple of percentage points, from, the let's say, the target of 2% in Europe to 4%, which is not acceptable at the moment by uh, many European countries, but let's assume that was the case, it would be a very effective way of raising revenues and the same would, be, would go in the United States. So uh, just to give you an idea uh, of, of another approach, which would be less traumatic in a way, although it has other disadvantages. Uh, that said, I think uh, probably states will use um, a panoply of the instruments, uh, value-added tax possibly, uh, also closing um, some some gaps in tax systems, exemptions, and other uh, loopholes, which actually reduce tax revenues in in personal income taxes and so on. So there will be a variety of instruments, but they, this will be a, a very long-term process.
0: So one, let me let me ask you about one. Let me ask you one final question before we close, because obviously the the, the economic moment uh, for most part, for the whole. Um, For the whole world is quite sensitive as we are seeing recovery underway after the the COVID shock. So I wonder if a tax system like this would risk to derail recovery somehow or shift production to low tax countries that may not enter this agreement. What's your view on that, Zach? Uh,
1: I think that there's not a huge amount of risk that... uh the business will move to very low tax jurisdictions that just don't participate in this agreement. And that's because um, Australia was saying the, the minimum tax is operating in an extraterritorial way. So not only do you tax your own companies um, up to the minimum, but you'll also look at um, subsidiaries of other countries' multinationals. And you, if they aren't applying the minimum tax in the countries where those multinationals are headquartered, then um, you can tax a subsidiary to make up the difference. So in that way, there's really very little incentive as long as most of the big economies are on board with the minimum tax for any low tax jurisdictions to exist. So I think that uh, there isn't a huge risk of uh, companies being able to escape this as long as enough big economies are on board. And uh, I think there's probably some risk of that. The proposal was really intended by, especially by European companies, to tackle the huge profitability of of big tech. And that was on the basis that lots of other companies have been doing quite poorly during the pandemic, especially bricks and mortar companies that are suffering from lockdowns and haven't been able to adapt as easily to the digital world. And at the same time, you see uh, Apple, Google, Facebook um, doing really well. So if the taxes were targeted on those companies, I think that there is less risk of derailment. Um, but given it will uh, apply more broadly to the economy, um, you know, there possibly is some risk. Re- Raymond might have more, more thoughts on that.
2: Yes, yes. I, I, I agree that we are in a very heterogeneous uh, situation where the pandemic has hit some sectors, in particular <clears throat> small businesses, very, very significantly in, in, in uh in high-contact density sectors, uh, notably. Uh, and and Whereas in other sectors, the business has continued or even has expanded, like in in the high-tech sector, or even in manufacturing, large parts of manufacturing, actually they are already uh, at above pandemic levels of activity. And so I think in this very heterogeneous environment where uh, recovery is already underway in parts of the economy, sometimes well underway, in other parts of the economy, uh, we are facing a situation of high indebtedness in, uh, of enterprises, especially small ones. I think it's very important to uh, approach the issue, you know, to to be very careful about the sequencing. I think it. Uh, I would uh, I would say that uh, we need to have the recovery well underway, which will probably be uh, next year, uh, before the new system uh, minimum uh, corporate tax is. Uh, Uh, initiated, and probably even that will be a gradual approach. Uh, So sequencing will be important because of the uh, specific economic situation. The other uh, thing to do is to have a a very clear rules of the game so that uh, not more uncertainty is introduced into the system. And uncertainty uh, has been uh, the dominant factor throughout the pandemic. And levels of uncertainty continue to be very high, especially, as I said, in some sectors. And so it's very important to have both a good sequencing but also clear rules of the game announced uh, very soon so that there is no additional uncertainty created.
0: All right um, thank you both Zach Mayers research fellow at the Center for European Reform. Thank you for joining Zach. Thanks very much. And Raymond Torres Funka director. Thank you Raymond.
2: Thank you very much. A pleasure to, to share this discussion with Zach and with you Carlos. Have a good day.
0: All for joining. This was all for now. We will come back soon with more exciting speakers on Europe's economic and policy-related key debates. Future is Blue is a Funcas Europe initiative. I'm Carlos Carnicero and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to recommend it to others and share it on social media. Thank you all, and stay well.